Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10-31-17. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. This is back-to-back days with another member of the Locked On Network. Uh, We talked Chiefs yesterday. We're talking Bears today with Lauren Cox. Lauren, it's great to have you. How are you, man? I'm doing good. Happy to be on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And... I started the Chiefs article or Chiefs conversation with kind of my feeling about the team, and I'm curious if you agree with me or not. I recently wrote an article for FanRag saying this team might be better than people think. You know that there is a very distinct plan in place. You know you're going to be a Jordan Howard uh, centric football team, really good interior offensive line, bring a quarterback along slowly, preferably Trubisky. And this defense is better to than I think most people realize. I think it's a pretty good defense that they've invested a lot in the front seven over, you know, two off seasons ago. And then the other note about the bears is football outsiders does something every year where they, they basically rank from 1 to 32 how injured teams were. And the Bears were clearly the most injured team of 2016. They also created a historically low number of turnovers. The chances of those two things happening back-to-back seasons is slim and none. So do you think I'm on the right page here with the Bears? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not ready to call them a surprise playoff team or anything just yet but I do think there's nowhere to go from up from last year there's no way they put together another three win season the only thing that concerns me again is the quarterback depending on how they're going to bring Mitch Trubisky along I'm concerned at just what Mike Glennon is and what he might be this regular season because he's played so poorly this preseason and hasn't shown a lot of growth there and at, at some point you can only go as far as your quarterback is going to take you and the quarterback that might be able to take them the farthest is currently the third string on the depth chart. Yeah, that's well said. And I guess I hadn't thought of it from that angle is if they're intent on having Trubisky sit and we, we really have to pump the brakes because it is preseason, but he looks very, very ready um, mm-hmm. and they keep it with Glennon. Yeah, that could derail things. I mean, is that where you're going? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, not that Glennon is going to be the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, but he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that can win you close games at this point. And and they can win, you know, five, six games on the back of Jordan Howard, I think, and with that running offense. But a a change at the quarterback would be what could put them over the top into that 500 range, that playoff range. And you can't overlook, too, that a a lot of their injury issues from last year are really creeping in into this year, and you already have a very – banged up roster even before the regular season starts a few guys that haven't recovered from their injuries last year and some of the new faces they've brought in have already started to wind up on the injury report and a lot of times you see teams that are injured in the preseason that tends to linger into the regular season so I don't think the the injury woes will be anywhere near last year but I do think especially this defense that looks so strong on paper I don't know how often we're going to see a truly fully strong defense here even from week one. 
Does McPhee lead that list for you? A- absolutely. He's got a yeah. – it's it's what the Bears called a knee irregularity. And the difficult thing with him is that you know he's had chronic knee issues from back to his time in Baltimore, but that has been in his right knee, I believe. And this injury is in the other knee, and the Bears have been extremely mysterious about what it is. No timetable on him whatsoever, sitting on the pup list. And it would be a surprise for me if he's even ready to go week one. Okay, and that's a big deal. He's a really good player. And we'll get to the defense in a minute, but who are there any other injuries that come to mind that have you concerned? Yeah, uh, Kyle Long is still coming back from his ankle injury. He just had a, a doctor's appointment this past week to sort of check up on it, and he hasn't really played much in the preseason. There's sort of an expectation that he's going to be ready for week one, but I'm not so sure that's going to happen. And similarly, you got a guy like uh, Marcus Wheaton at the wide receiver position just getting back from a broken finger. Cameron Meredith dealt with a finger issue earlier. A lot of just guys around the roster here and there adding up with, with nicks and bruises that tend to linger on. Yeah, and I said some good things about the Bears, but I don't think either one of us think that they can overcome McPhee, Long, you know, their best players' injuries. Yeah, and, and even linebacker Danny Trevathan is still coming yeah. back and some of their cornerbacks now too. I mean, it's been... It's been another banged-up preseason with some deja vu for sure. Okay. Um, let's go to the receivers. And I've been high on the Bears' building process. I will say I was a little critical when they moved from 3-2, to two, but that's you know water under the bridge and nobody's going to care if Trubisky's good. But the one thing I was critical of was letting Alshon Jeffrey go. Like To me, boy, wouldn't this offense look a lot better with him in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I it, and, and I think they envisioned... Kevin White taking that next step sure. this year and making people forget about Alshon Jeffrey, but through two preseason games, he has remained uh, an extreme disappointment, received some public criticism from the wide receivers coach, and there's been a lot of talk about his confidence and more the mental state of him as a wide receiver being able to overcome adversity in the NFL. Well, Meredith certainly looks like he's probably the leading receiver on this team. I mean, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. And then White's the big wild card unknown question mark in my opinion that if he hits and everything looks great yeah you're now you're talking and you don't need a receiver next year but what about those other guys it seems like you know they have three or four name brand smaller slot type guys yeah they, they brought in victor cruz and kendall wright and marcus wheaton all in free agency this offseason Wheaton was the one that got the real financial investment. He's the only one that got a multi-year deal, and he got like 50% of his contract guaranteed. So he's going to stick around no matter what. But it was a very open competition with Kendall Wright and Victor Cruz this preseason. And all signs point to Kendall Wright running away with that. They, you know, they've used him exclusively with the first-team offense in preseason games, and then they bring in Victor Cruz in the second and third quarter, and he plays out the rest of the game. It seems like they're really trying to get a long look at Victor Cruz, and they already seem pretty comfortable with Kendall Wright, who has a connection with the Bears' offensive coordinator, Dowell Loggins, who was Kendall Wright's offensive coordinator in, with the Tennessee Titans when he had his career best year. And the tight end covered isn't bare, compared, you know, it's contrary to popular belief. I mean, I think they have the big bodies in Sims and Shaheen. Hopefully Shaheen grows with Trubisky, and two, three years from now, they have a great rapport and they make wonderful magic together. And then Miller's kind of the opposite type guy. Yeah, Miller's been a guy this offseason that it sort of felt like the writing has been on the wall for his eventual departure from this team. I know somebody put it out there 
that the Bears were reportedly shopping him at the NFL scouting combine even before the draft and before free agency. But then they go out and add a Shaheen in the second round and Sims in the in the free agency. And it, it starts to feel like Miller is on his way out. But at the same time, it seems like Adam Shaheen is maybe a little bit slower to develop than the Bears had maybe anticipated. Not that they're expecting him to come in and start or be the best tight end of this right. team in year one from Division Two Ashland. But he's really been hitting that that rookie wall very early, not blocking very well for a guy his size and not really making a lot of plays as a wide receiver, or excuse me, or just as a receiver. So I, I wonder if his lack of development could save Zach Miller's spot just in terms of getting a guy who's very talented. I mean, there's no questioning Zach Miller is a, a, a talented receiving tight end. It's just a matter of his reliability in terms of staying healthy. And they, they clearly wanted to upgrade from him. I just don't know if this will be the time to get rid of him, especially because his contract is pretty inexpensive. Do you agree that we should see a, a, a high number of double tight end sets, though? I mean, the tackles aren't great. The interior of the offensive line is very good. I think they want to be a physical downhill team, and the wide receivers aren't great. Yeah, I do think we're going to see plenty of tight ends. I mean, Deion Sims, I mean, even if Zach Miller's there, Deion Sims is your number one inline tight end. And mm -hmm. really, Miller was a guy last year that ran about 50% of his snaps from the slot in terms of routes runs. So he was almost more of a receiver anyway. And then you'll see a, a Shaheen in there. And even the sleeper on the roster at, at tight end is Daniel Brown, who was a converted wide receiver who joined last year from the Baltimore Ravens on waivers. He's a guy that the team has been kind of quietly very high on. They see him sort of growing in this offense a little bit. And I think this is probably a team that keeps four tight ends and gets good use out of all four of them. That makes sense, especially with Shaheen's future hopefully being bright. Um, they just put money into Leno, their left tackle. Um, what's your thoughts on him and the tackle situation overall? We had mentioned the inside. I think it's really good. I think Whitehair is going to be one of the best centers in the league. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just did my Lockdown Bears podcast yesterday all about Charles Leno. I felt like, you know, in terms of it's easy to get a little bit scared by the money. You know, four years, $38 million, and $9.5 million a year seems like a lot for a guy that has seemingly been average throughout his career. But Average left tackles average. don't grow on trees, though, man. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's above average in pass protection, and that's sort of the key there. I mean, his his big weakness is as a run blocker. He's just not he's not really aggressive enough. It's not always a technique issue. It's more of just a, a mental, I want to block this guy five yards downfield, and you have to show that you are the, the dominant physical player, and he just doesn't seem to show that consistently on a snap-to-snap -snap basis. But he handles his own as a pass, a pass protector. You know, he's not going to get beat for that three-sack game, but he's also not going to have those games where he completely shuts someone down. It's He's always a, a, an above-average pass protector, and so he gets paid like the, the 14th highest salary for a left tackle, and I think that's about fair for a guy, again, slightly above average, slightly above number 16 in the pay. I think that's fair for him, but Bobby Massey on the other side, he's the guy that everyone has been sort of waiting for the Bears to replace since they signed him. He he always is a tale of two halves of the season. Uh, throughout his career, even in Arizona, before he came to Chicago, he always starts the year horribly. The first six games are really brutal and looks like he need, he's a guy that needs to get benched. And then usually mid-year, he starts to turn it around, maybe gets a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more confident, and finishes out the year as more of a, a serviceable, I would say, right tackle, but, but a, a guy that definitely always leaves you wanting more. It wouldn't blow you away if they used a reasonably high pick on a potential Massey replacement in the offseason then, huh? Yeah, they they actually pursued Ricky Wagner in free agency a oh, little yeah. bit. And 
lost out to him to the Detroit Lions. Wagner actually got the same amount of money per year that they just paid Charles Leno. So evidently, they didn't want to pay that for a right tackle, but they do for a left. Yeah, well, that all adds up. And if Leno's a middle-of-the-road, better in protection than the run game left tackle with a very young franchise-type quarterback, that Bear fans should be happy about that. I mean, especially as good as you are in the interior. And just think if you don't have him, and then Trubisky's running for his life, and, you know, then you have a bad situation. So let's finish up the offense. I think everyone knows what Howard is. If you have anything to add about him, great. But what about the depth behind him? Yeah, the Bears, it started to it started to clear up a little bit in terms behind him because Jeremy Lankford had been battling with an injury. He really didn't practice all of training camp. It was like the very first walkthrough practice before training camp started. He rolled an ankle, and it was an, the same ankle that he had surgery on this offseason. So it was looking like he was a goner, really, a fourth-round pick two years ago sort of was supposed to be the heir apparent to Matt Forte and started where was the week one starter last year before Jordan Howard really came onto the scene. But then Lankford is now getting back to practice and the guy who was seemingly taking that number three spot, Kadeem Carey, just had another injury of his own. I want to say a hamstring injury or something, but it's going to keep him out uh, another six weeks. So Jeremy Lankford's roster spot might just be alive. But regardless, the number two running back is going to be Tariq Cohen, the fourth-round pick out of North Carolina A&T. The Darren Sproles comparisons, I think, are growing more and more true by the day. He hasn't been used a ton as a receiver yet, so not in terms of maybe how he's going to be used in the offense, but a five foot six running back who is just he's just faster than anyone else on the field. He gets outside, he gets down the sideline, and he's really fun to watch. I've heard really good things about Cohen, that he kind of looks like a natural. Uh, he doesn't play like a little guy necessarily, has some physicality to him, has some return skills too. Uh, he is interesting, and I, I think you know he'd be a nice compliment to Howard. So that's certainly intriguing. Uh, I wanted to take a second, everyone, just to pump up the Locked On Network, as, as some of you have been listening for some time. Um, we do have many other teams besides the Locked On NFL one. Uh, Bears, Chiefs, are the two of the guys we've had the last couple weeks, or last two days. I'm going to start to have more and more guests on as the season rolls along. So I certainly urge you to check all that out. Napa it takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99 cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17 now, let's talk defense. And, Lauren, I look at this defense from an overall perspective and say Hicks and Floyd can be stars. The front seven, if healthy, could be well above average with some youth and upside to it as well. Mm -hmm. The secondary will probably be next year's project, but it's a lot better than it was. <laughs> Yeah. You know, their starting corners are real life starting corners. Um, it'd be great to add a stud back there, but Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah, they and they start they're starting to feel like they might have the seeds of their studs back there. I mean, they've got Eddie Jackson, who they drafted in the fourth round at safety. He's still competing 
for the starting job, and I'm not sure he's going to get it in year one just because there's not a, a big necessary rush to get him out there. They have Adrian Amos returning, and they signed Quentin Demps, but Eddie Jackson, really a, an explosive playmaker, punt returner. He's going he's gonna to be handling some of those duties this year. He can make plays. He's got ball skills, and he's a converted cornerback, which makes him a really good fit in this defense because Vic Fangio is a guy that does a lot of single deep safety, and so if he needs a Jackson to come down to the slot, there's four wide receivers. He comes down the slot, and he can sort of revert back to his cornerback skills, cover a guy one-on-one and man-to-man underneath. And then if he needs to be the deep safety, he can use everything he's learned at safety, use the range and the ball skills to really be that all-around threat in coverage. Yeah, he he was a guy that people were talking about as a potential you know, top 50, maybe first-round pick, you know, a year ago, before his senior year, before his final season at Bama, uh, I thought they got a steal with him. That maybe he does come out, you know, come up and really assert himself. And I think Amos is okay too. Yeah, Amos is a guy that I think gets a little bit too much flack for you know playing safety in a pretty bad defense with no quality cornerbacks around him and a banged up front seven. He was sort of the guy that was always there still. And so when when the defense was playing poorly as a whole, and he was a part of that. He sort of gets looped in there, but you know he's a he's a good box safety. Maybe never going to be a true Pro Bowl playmaker, but always a, a reliable starter. And safety is one of those positions in Chicago that they have had a revolving door at since Mike Brown left the team in like 2008 or whatever. So it's I think it's easy to take for granted having just an average safety that can be a year to year starter, even if he's not a guy that completely wows you every snap. Yeah, that makes sense and. Tell me about Leonard Floyd. I've been pumping up him and Daniel Hunter in your guys' division as the next great edge players. Yeah, Floyd. Floyd's a guy that, again, the growth, it, it's easy to get excited and you know set the bar really high, but I think it's important to at least keep things reasonable for his expectations. Like I don't know if he's ready for a... 15 sack season in year three or year two now you know i think bears fans can get pretty excited about that but there's more that goes into a sack than just an individual player and i think where he needs to grow is to continue to play well against the run and and be a little bit more consistent there because there are times when you know he can go up against an offensive tackle get his hands inside get great leverage and really shed the guy and make a play and there are other times where he still tries to be the the freak athlete that he is and maybe try and slip around the guy and try and make a play there but ultimately takes himself out of position and ultimately leaves his gap responsibility open so there's just little things like that where he can continue to grow but I do think he is absolutely primed to have another big season 10 sacks is definitely in reach for him and uh, it, it, there's not a, a huge doubt that he can be the Bears leading sack guy especially with Pernell McPhee continue to be sidelined. And with McPhee out, does that put a lot more on Willie Young then? Is that the next guy up? Yeah, for sure. Willie Young and Floyd are going to be the starters this Mm -hmm. year. And Young was a guy that I thought had a great season last year and has always been sort of the warrior of this defense. He's a guy that deals with some of those nagging injuries that don't really make the the injury report it doesn't keep him out of practice but you know he's 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 on the wrong side of 30 you can tell that he slows down a few times here and there and maybe his knees and ankles aren't quite where they once used to be but he gets that shot of you know painkillers and gets back in the game and really just gives his all in every snap and it has really run with the position change when he came into this 3-4 defense and he's definitely the even the the next man up in terms of leadership besides Pernell McPhee okay. too really a great compliment there 
And I think Eddie Goldman coming back goes a long way too, just to you know be a force in the middle, um, even if he doesn't give you a lot against the pass, but certainly keeps those, those linebackers a little more free. Is there anyone else uh, in that front seven that it really stands out to you or is noteworthy or you have a, a nugget for us on? Yeah, a guy like Jonathan Bullard has yeah, been glad you him up. under the under the microscope, and and he really had a poor rookie season. And like what he was so good at with Florida was that he was so quick off the snap. And I think he wasn't in great shape when he came to training camp last year. Lost a little bit of that quickness, and obviously, it's not easy to see a, an interior defensive lineman translate in rookie in their rookie year. It's one of the more difficult positions to really dominate early in your career, and I think. He definitely hit a big wall there, but he's had a nice preseason so far. You know, not dominant, but definitely above average. Might not quite take over the starting job week one just yet because, you know, they've got Mitch Unrein, who is has always been just a guy, but he's played pretty well this preseason, and they signed Jay Howard from the Kansas City Chiefs. So there was a clear sort of emphasis to upgrade a little bit at the defensive end position, maybe put a little bit of pressure on a Jonathan Bullard, and I don't know yet if he's going to take over and really be that starter. And I think even if he does, or even if he doesn't, there's going to be a rotation with those defensive ends opposite Akeem Hicks to try and keep guys fresh, try and get different skill sets in there with different defensive line combinations. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because they do all of a sudden now have depth and options. And I'm glad you brought up Bowler because I meant to. And what I envisioned from him, and I don't even care if we call him a starter or not, but I would think a successful season from Bullard would be as if, if him and Hicks can develop as the clear inside pass rushers in nickel dime, you know, that that would go a long way. Yeah. And it's been disappointing to see Bullard in that area specifically this preseason. He, he's played really well against the run, but as a pass rusher, especially against the Denver Broncos, he was pretty poor, didn't show a lot of pass rushing moves or really all that much activity. Just pretty content to play patty cake sometimes with the offensive lineman, but got a little bit more active and aggressive in this past preseason game against the Cardinals. But I want to see him to continue to grow there because it would be nice to have sort of that other threat, even to you know to, to give you that four strong, your nickel your nickel front four of Hicks and Young and Floyd, and then give Bullard that be that fourth guy and really give offensive lines a lot to deal with. Well, Lauren, this has been great. Um, just to kind of recap things, one more big picture question. How worried should Coach Fox be for this year? I mean, is there a number of wins he has to get to, or is it hot seat time? I hear him being thrown around that way, but I'm not sure that he's done a poor job or deserves to be. I, I'm not a big John Fox fan in terms of what he's done in Chicago, and from the beat reporters that I've talked to, there seems to be a consensus here that he is uh, on his way out and that it would take a pretty strong season to save his job. And it sort of makes the quarterback situation a little bit more curious because if you're John Fox, doesn't it give you more job security if you start the rookie right away? And you no, can sure. say, hey, you know what? You know, we're, work- we're working with the rookie quarterback. you got to give me more time, right? So it's weird to me that he and the general manager seem to be continuing to push the Mike Glennon thing, and I understand you want to make sure your rookie's ready, but you would think their their goal should be to get the rookie on the field as quickly as possible so that that can extend your job security a little bit. Any chance Glennon gets traded? I, I don't think mid-season, but I think the, the original plan they signed him was so that he'd play for a year, and then they trade him in the offseason to put, put, put Mitch Trubisky in there, but... Mm-hmm. 
I, I don't think Glennon is going to play well enough to justify the $15 million a year salary. I think in the preseason, he's really looked like a guy that is a true backup quarterback, the guy that needs a lot of help and can win you football games if you have a good offensive line, a good running game, and good receivers. And if he doesn't have that, he's going to struggle. That, to me, is your your pen, penultimate or your your prototypical backup quarterback, and teams aren't going to want to pay $15 million a year for that. I think ultimately his future is back on the free agent market on a, a much lower deal. Yeah, that makes more sense. I mean, if if I'm Jacksonville's GM, I'm not saying, boy, I better call the Bears. All my problems are solved if I get Glennon. I mean, I, I don't think that's who he is. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't even looked like significantly better than Mark Sanchez, and maybe better, but there, there's some similarities there just in terms of the quality of quarterback play. Yeah, and we have to remember he is a, a new fish in a new pond. I mean, you know, and he it's only two preseason games, and he did do some good things in Tampa. I don't think it's time to write him off, but Trubisky's obviously the one everyone wants to see. Yeah, and I think when we get to the regular season – with Glenn, you're going to see the guy in Tampa. I mean, you know, hovers around that 60% completion percentage. Never going to be a 4,000-yard guy, but, you know, his touchdown-to-interception ratio was solid. I think it was like, you know, 2 to 1 around there. Mm-hmm. He's going to get you, you know, maybe game manager plus just a little bit more. He's got a little bit more arm strength. He can he can work the ball downfield. But, again, it comes back to what you mentioned at the top of the show. Wouldn't Alshon Jeffrey be a nice fit for Mike <laughs> right. Glenn here? He had Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans, and then you get rid of the one player on this team that has that skill set. Just a little bit of a head-scratcher there. Yeah, that's, that's the one move I keep going back to. And even at the time, man, I would have even franchised him again. Like, boy, if just think, I mean, how just all you all you listeners out there that aren't even Bears fans, just think how differently you'd view the Bears' offense right now with Jeffrey. I mean, it's huge. And I think... Jeffrey was more of an off-field decision than an on-field decision. There were some rumors that he didn't want to come back to Chicago and tried to use Chicago purely as a bargaining tool in free agency. I think, what did he get, a one-year, $8 million deal with the Eagles? So not the payday he was looking for. And I think at the end of the day, he didn't want to come back here, and the Bears maybe didn't do enough to take care of that asset while they had him. Yeah, or... Go get Pierre Garçon or Deshaun Jackson. or I mean, if he's not the fit, then find somebody who isn't quite as good, but don't ignore the position like they did. To, I don't know. I mean, to me, that was a bit of a mistake. Yeah, they like the strategy to, of throwing bodies at a position. They, you know, they did it at wide receiver with Cruz, Wheaton, and Wright. Last year, they signed like three different cornerbacks. They signed... They signed three this year, too, with Amukamara, Cooper, and Webb. Mm -hmm. It was a safety position last year. They threw a bunch of bodies at, threw draft picks at it. They like to, you know, they don't want to invest the huge mega contract into one player and have the financial risk there. Yeah, so they, you know, let's get some guys there and hope that competition will breed some sort of success there. And one of these veteran wide receivers will step up and play more like they did when they were in their primes. Yeah, that all makes sense. And we should probably keep some hope out for uh, for Kevin White as well. Lauren, this has been fantastic. We'll have to have you back on. If you ever want me on your show, that'd be great as well. Everyone needs to check out the Locked On Network. And oh, I didn't tell anybody your uh, your Twitter handle. Everyone needs to follow Lauren too. What is your Twitter handle? I am on Twitter at Cox Sports one It's like Fox Sports 1, but with a C. Ah, okay. That works. Well, thanks, brother. This was great. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. It was fun. Absolutely.